He is risen. What does that mean? I mean, do we remember what that means? That Jesus is risen. And do we live like that's the case? When I was little, I remember heading up to Colbrook, New Hampshire pretty often. Colbrook, New Hampshire is just about the northernmost town you can go in, while you're still in the United States. It's in the corner of Vermont and Canada. And it's where both of my parents grew up and where most of my family never left. To us living down here in Gloucester, it's like we might as well live in South America. <laughs> it's funny how you can flip around sort of like, you know, a, a name to make fun of people. Like, you know, I think they're called hillbillies, but to us, we're called flatlanders. Like, that's derogatory. I'm not sure. But it's, it's great to get up there. I love my family. Um, it's wonderful to see them whenever we get the chance. And I remember when I would go up there as a child, my dad would often say, he'd say, we're going up to see my dad. You guys want to come with me? He'd say this to me and my siblings. Now, I, my grandfather died when I was two. So the only memories that I have of him were going up to the graveyard um, to clean off the flag, to stand there with my father, um, to share some stories. We never really talk you know, to him, but we'd, we call it going up and seeing grandpa. And we'd talk about him, we'd share stories. It was great. It's a very interesting thing we do going to the cemetery, right? It's an important thing, but it's a very interesting thing that we do. But one year, I vividly remember standing there with my father, and we were talking about my grandfather, and I looked over to the stone next, next to his. And sure enough, it said right there, Jessica Brooks. Now that's my grandmother's name. And my grandmother is very, very much alive. <laughs> All four foot ten inches of her is very much alive. And when she was 88, we had to buy her a household chainsaw in order to convince her to stop splitting her own wood. Okay? She just turned 92 recently, and my, my dad shared with me that he went up there a couple weeks back and he caught her secretly taking a pickaxe out to the, the garage, and she was chipping away at the ice in the corner. She is very much alive. <laughs> now imagine with me for a second. Imagine with me for a second if I was to make that four-hour trip up to Colbrook with my family, and we were to drive up there to see my grandmother, and we drove right past her house to the cemetery, we pull over and I start sharing stories about her. That would be crazy, right? I would hope that Leah, would, my wife, would turn to me and say, what are you doing? Why are we here? Why are we looking for the living among the dead? Our scripture this morning comes from Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, verses 1 through 8, and it can be found in your pew Bibles, the black pew Bibles on page 858. I'm told there's some random blue pew Bibles. Don't look for 858 on those ones. Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 8. I'll also have it displayed up here on the screen as well. It's the word of the Lord. 
On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they prepared and went to the tomb. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. This is the word of the Lord. Now Luke's Gospel tells us the story of how on that Easter Sunday, around 2,000 years ago, the women headed up to the tomb. Likely Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and potentially some other women. They came to the tomb with spices as a part of the funeral proceedings. They came to care for and pay respects to Jesus' body. They came to remember the one they loved. came to care for the dead. There's a big problem though. The stone is rolled away. The tomb is empty. And I'm sure that they're thinking in that moment, who has stolen the body? It says, while, while they were wondering about these things, about this. And just then, two angels appear to them. And I'm sure that they were startled and frightened, because that's what happens every single time people encounter angels. And the angels ask them this very important question. Why do you look for the living among the dead? And I mean, at first glance, the question is crazy, right? These women were at Calvary. They were there when Jesus was nailed to the cross. They were there as his side was pierced. As he said to the Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. They were there as Jesus said, it is finished. They saw Jesus breathe his last. And he was dead. It would be like if my grandmother was dead. If I saw that the doctor had pronounced her dead and she was buried in the ground, we went to the funeral and we drove up to the cemetery and at the gate, Leah turns to me and says, what are you doing here? I'm here because this is where you bury the dead. The women were thinking, we know that his body is in the ground right here in Joseph's tombs. We know this. Dead people don't come back. He's dead. We're looking in the tomb. Angels, where do you want us to look? But the angels say, remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. At least three times the Gospels say that Jesus directly said these words to his disciples. At least three times. And there it is. And actually, the angel's question is totally spot on. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He told you exactly what was going to happen. And yet, I don't blame these disciples at all. Because it's really hard for us to get this 2,000 years later. 2,000 years of celebrating the resurrection. We take the resurrection for granted. We view it as the nice spring holiday. Well, nice-ish spring holiday. 
it's, it's a good way to end, you know, after the somberness of Good Friday, after all that fasting for Lent, we need a good day. But what happened on Good Friday and Lent is the central event of human history. And it didn't make any sense for the disciples. They thought the Messiah was coming and he was going to bring a kingdom like King David, a new reign. He was going to overthrow the Roman rule. This was the picture of what they thought this was going to look like. And in fact, there had been other people who had come along and claimed to be Messiahs. And in fact, they had been killed. And the reality is, is that for the women as they came to the tomb, the fact that Jesus just died on the cross, that was the thing that proved he wasn't the Messiah. But Jesus said this was going to happen. The disciples had heard Jesus speak, but they didn't understand. The words had been heard, but they didn't sink in. It didn't change how they understood what was about to happen. But Easter, but Easter Sunday morning. Three days later, something happened that changes everything. And as the angel said, He is risen. So why do you look for the living among the dead? The text says of the women, then they remembered His words. And John 2.2 puts it this way. It says, After Jesus was raised from the dead, His disciples recalled what He had said, and then they believed the Scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Something happened on that Easter morning that was a eureka, aha moment that changes everything. The light turned on. It gave life to the very words that Jesus had spoken. It gives language to every single thing that Jesus did. And it gives life to every single thing that we will go through in this life. It turns on the light to every single thing we will face. And it gives hope that overcomes every question. This is what it means. The living God. There is hope because of the living God. So I want to ask the very same question that the angels asked at the tomb today. Because I think it's still spot on for us. Do we look for the living among the dead? And I want to break it down by asking a couple questions this morning. And the first is this. What are we looking for here, right? What are we doing here this morning in this place? Easter is one of those days where we know we got to get out, we got to go to church. It's a day where we're supposed to celebrate Jesus. And Jesus was a pretty cool guy, right? He's pretty great. We love his teachings, well, at least some of them. And people of all faiths, Muslims, Jews, atheists alike, we, they all agree. Jesus was pretty cool. His nonviolent teachings in particular, they have a lasting place. And church can be the place where we could gather to hear some pretty inspiring, nice teachings. That could be a good reminder of how we can live nicer or be more loving, etc., etc. And we can treat our faith as simply our occasional visit to the cemetery. We can come to pay our respects, to fulfill an obligation to stop by. And that's easy. And there's actually something maybe even alluring about that idea, right? Because if I think that God is dead, well then, he's got no say on my life. 
And I can hop right back in my car and I can go right back home and I can leave him right there on the ground. And that's alluring because if God doesn't have a say in my life, then I can pretend for a moment like I'm God. And the allure of that doesn't last long though because we all know about how that, you know, the problem of control and we really don't have any. And it doesn't take long for me to you know, disprove I'm not God. We can treat our faith as simply a visit to the cemetery and if we do, we miss out on something, something great, the truth of Easter. This is why Easter is so important. This is why this is the central day on our calendar. This is the day that makes everything else make sense. This is the day where we remember Jesus isn't dead. Jesus is the living God. He is living but so what? Like, okay, he's risen. I know we're here for that, but, but so what? The empty tomb is the ushering in of a new age. It's a day that redefines death forever. Death no longer has victory over us. Abuse no longer has victory. Addiction no longer has victory. Injustice does not have the last say. It's the beginning of new life. The good news of what Jesus did on the cross means that there is forgiveness for sin. There is forgiveness for sin. Hallelujah. Every failing, every brokenness, freely forgiven. He took the punishment that justice demanded and He took it for us. But the good news is a lot more than just freedom from the punishment of sin. The good news is actually pointless without Easter. That's what Paul says. It's pointless without Easter. Pointless without the truth that God has also given us new life. He's taken death and He's turned it into beautiful, beautiful life. We're not only rescued from sin, but we're brought into new life in relationship with the living God. A God who's not dead, a God who's not visited in a cemetery, not to be simply celebrated as, oh, isn't He a good guy? A God who is active, who cares for you, who loves you. He wants to, you to know Him. who wants you to be in relationship with Him. And when you place your trust in Jesus, when you say, Jesus, I believe in You, you're saying, I know He lives and I know He is speaking today. And when you place your faith in Him, what is true of Jesus will be true for you. And all those who place their faith in Him will one day rise again, physically be resurrected, and death has no hold on you. This changes everything. And this is hope. This is the Christian hope. The text says, And the women at the tomb remembered Jesus' words. Oh, it was hope. And the disciples believed. I used to, I used to wonder about this, this Easter, because I got, I got Good Friday, but Easter, I mean, is this just the unnecessary happy ending? Do you, do you all, does anybody remember the movie Far and Away? It's pretty mediocre. Um, but Far and Away, you know, it was okay, besides Tom Cruise's terrible Irish accent. It was just awful. It really was. It was terrible. The movie's been out for 27 years now, so I think it's pretty safe to say if you haven't seen it yet, you're not going to. So I feel okay with ruining it a little bit. 
But we were, uh, Lee and I, we watched this movie. We were recommended it from a couple friends, Mara and Jesse, and we were watching it one evening. Um, and I thought the ending was, was pretty good. I thought it was like this pretty hauntingly beautiful ending. Tom Cruise dying there at the end of the movie. Um, this beautiful scene, Nicole Kidman is crying over him, and the camera pans away. And it, it's, it's actually pretty beautiful. And I thought, you know, it's pretty good. I looked over at Leah, and she has this scowl on her face, and she says, worst movie ever. <laughs> Thanks, Mara and Jesse. And then out of nowhere, the camera stops. And it zooms down to Tom Cruise's face, and he pops awake. It's ridiculous. It's terrible. It's like the worst ending. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's unnecessary, I thought. I looked over at Leah, and, and she's like, best movie ever. She loved, she loved it. She loved it. <laughs> right? It's a great movie. Yeah. Um, this is how we sometimes view Easter. The unnecessary, happy ending to the story that ended on the cross. And when we do so, we miss the very point of the cross itself. That the living God, who is active, who cares for you, is the same one who took all of our sin and all of our shame and our brokenness away, and he's rescued us into eternal life in relationship with the Holy God here and now. Do we treat God as dead? Do we act like he has no say in my life? Do we think he doesn't care about us? Do we think of coming to church like coming to the cemetery, an obligation we got to do every once in a while? Because if so, I've got awesome news for you. And awesome doesn't even capture it. That's a terrible word. I got the best news you will ever hear. That's not hyperbole. That's not exaggeration. It's the truth. The God who created the universe, who created you, He loves you. Jesus loves, not just loved, Jesus loves you. He wants you to know Him. He wants you to have eternal fullness of life today with Him. That's what Easter is about. That is tremendous news. It's not about visiting the cemetery. It's about receiving the warmth of the embrace of the living God. Hallelujah. And Jesus' final words physically on this earth to His disciples was this, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So we don't look for the living among the dead. We find life with the living God because there is hope because of the living God. And I want to leave you all with two encouragements this Easter. And they both have to do with hope. And if you've been with us through the winter and spring, you know we've talked a lot about hope. But hope finds its greatest fulfillment on Easter morning. Because Jesus rose from the grave, that means the Christian hope is that death is no longer victorious. Every pain, every joy, every death, every season, every moment. The good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection brings real, tangible, physical hope. The resurrection means we can know the living God. So this is the first encouragement I want to leave you with this morning. Do you know the living God? Do you know that Jesus is risen for you? 
we can know the living God. He loves you. And if you want to find out more, come find me after the service. I'd love to share more. Come find anybody with a white name tag or see a friendly face in the pew beside you and ask them about this living God. Secondly, there is hope for every moment in life because of Jesus. For every moment, there's an accompanying word that Jesus has for us. Maybe you're like the woman at the tomb. You've heard Jesus say what he is about to do, but it hasn't sunk in yet. Maybe you know that he said he's going to give life, but it hasn't sunk into your everyday waking life. And to that I say, Jesus is living. His word is living and active. Remember his words. Let them sink in deep this Easter. Remember that he's the living God. And ask God to open your eyes to understand, to know, to hear that invitation more fully, to allow Jesus' words to sink in just a little bit deeper this year, that you may remember his words like the disciples and believe. For every moment, the truth of Jesus speaks hope. There is hope because of the living God. I want to wish you a happy Easter. He is risen. Indeed. And know that there is hope because of the living God. He loves you. He's inviting you to know Him more. And He deserves our worship this morning. Let's praise Him. Will you join me now in prayer? Hallelujah. We praise you, Lord Jesus. Your love is astonishing. Your grace is unmatched. And just when it knocks us over, just when we recognize our own brokenness before you, a holy God, We hear that invitation to life. We celebrate with joy and acknowledge that you have called us your sons, your daughters. You have called us children of the living God. Hallelujah. You are so, so good to us. So God, we joyfully proclaim this morning how good you are. We love you. We are so thankful for you. May you be glorified, may you be honored this year, today, and this very moment. We pray all these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Now we have the opportunity.